podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Metz. It is day two of our daily format. I promise I won't be doing that countdown every single time that we actually have an episode here, but it still feels new enough that I'm going to do it. Uh, today, we are previewing the Iowa State matchup that is coming up tonight. To help me do that, joining for the first time on the podcast here, it is Sean D. He is uh, one of the writers over at Wide Right Natty Light. Sean, how you doing today? Andy, I'm great, man. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to talk hoops. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's it's one of those things. I, I love having you guys on from Wide Right Natty Light. Normally, it's Levi or someone else, but I reached out to him, and he's like, hey, Sean's the guy you need to have on here today. So hopefully you have some Really fantastic insights that nobody else would have come up with. And, you know, we can call this a rousing success. Sound good? That's the goal. <laughs> it's a really high bar to set, but hey, someone's got to set it, right? That's right. <laughs> All right. So, obviously, these two teams played not that long ago, back on January 11th. Uh, you know, so it's been like three weeks, basically. Um, a little bit of a controversial game, just a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, looking at the way that this weekend went, you know, Kansas losing to Kentucky, um, big, which we talked about yesterday, uh, but then Iowa State having a you know kind of struggling the first half against Missouri before absolutely storming out of the gate in that second half. Um, what's the feeling around the Iowa State program right now? Do you think things have kind of calmed down since that, or I mean, is it still kind of a little worrisome the stretch that they're going through? It's I would like to say it's cautiously optimistic. I think with the way that our offense has played. Uh, this year, it's been very up and down, and you can see that our our we go as our offense goes, right? Um, we've got a couple of key contributors that you can look to as far as trends go. So I'm looking actually for for Gabe Kalser to have a big night uh, tomorrow night. But the state of the program itself, I think it's fine. I think when you come back from a two and twenty two year, fans have this strange reaction where it's not that they don't care, but it's just we're kind of happy to be here at the moment. But I think you have another subset that's like, well, but this team has shown some promise and I think that we can play a little bit better. Um, and so it's been it's been this strange mix all year because when we lose, it's like, well, we were two and 22 last year. But then uh, other times it's like, hey, we we should we should have won. So like that Kansas game, for example, I think that the ball bounces a different way and we've got to win it out in Fieldhouse. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things, too. Like people talk about the refs in that particular game. There was there was definitely a lot of things kind of going back and forth. Kansas didn't play very well at all in that game. Iowa State played, I think, kind of above the way that they had been playing on average. Um, and yes, there was definitely some calls that should have gone Iowa State's way. I, I think I can point to a couple that probably should have gone to KU's way. It, it, for the most part, even doubt, there was just a lot more visible ones, I think, that went against Iowa State. However, you know, kind of to your point there, it's absolutely phenomenal what Iowa State's done this year. The, the turnaround that T.J. Otzelberger has gotten in just the single year, you know, being here, bringing in all these new guys. And yes, he got a whole bunch of guys from the transfer portal. Um, you know, it looked like they were flying high, going through pretty much the entire non-conference schedule. Actually, I mean, they, they didn't have a loss in the entire non-conference schedule. They were blowing people out. Uh, just absolutely insane the way they were doing it. Um, you know, there, there were, though, a few kind of warning signs about what we've seen in the Big 12, because you look in the Big 12 and with the exception of the Baylor game, like it's been really difficult for this team to get any kind of offense going. Yeah, um, You know, they are ranked 109th in Ken Palm in terms of total offense ef- efficiency. Um, how, how much of a worry is that? Is, is this a team that that focuses so much on their defense that maybe offense isn't as big of a worry? Or is this a team that you think needs to make big strides on the offense for this team to be able to do any of the things that they want to get done this year. 
the offense has been an issue the entire year. I think that you have just seen the defense bail them out time and time again. Um, I think that the focus has been on effort and rebounding, which you have seen. Um, forcing turnovers has also been a big part of that. TJ Alsoberger is definitely to blame for that in a positive way. Um, anytime you go from two offensive-minded coaches in a row, like Fred Hoiberg and Steve Prohm, and you have this complete culture shift, I think that that breeds well if he can get his right guys in. So we've had a mostly high turnover roster with only remaining staples really are George Condit and Trey Jackson, both of whom are playing in limited roles. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I actually went back and rewatched the first half of that TCU game that Iowa State got their lunch stolen from them. Um, a loss that looks actually better and better each day because TCU with a great win against LSU this past weekend. Um, Iowa State has a really, really hard time generating good looks. Um, while they're mostly efficient, they like to take threes. They like to take shots inside the paint. I think that they sometimes get stuck moving the ball side to side and they have problems getting downhill. So for example, if you watch tonight uh, against Kansas, you'll notice Brockington will line up on the right side of the floor. Iowa State will run horn set, meaning they'll bring two bigs to the elbows. They'll run either a dribble handoff or a stagger screen for someone on the opposite side. And you hopefully, hopefully get Isaiah Brockington going to his left hand, getting him downhill. But outside of that variation of the offense, it's been really difficult to come by. You know, just for for reference, you know, whenever Gabe Kalsher, who is by all accounts should be Iowa State's second leading scorer this year, I believe it's Tyrese Hunter. Um, Kalsher actually, when he, um, Iowa State goes 14-1 when he scores eight or more points, eight points or more, that one loss being Kansas. So if Brockington gets any kind of help, Iowa State is a dangerous team. Um, we just haven't seen it all year. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things, too. You know, I, I've, I've watched a decent amount of Iowa State because I do try to keep up with the entire Big 12. Um, you know, and it's definitely one of those things where this team comes across to me as an extremely streaky team. Like they're either hot for a half uh, and then go completely cold or, you know, they're hot for five minutes and then go cold for another 10 minutes. Like they have big streaks of varying degrees that are both good and bad. And it's really just a matter of which one wins out and how much the defense can keep them from falling behind in the ones where they go cold. Um, like, I mean, I even think this Missouri game was a perfect example. Missouri is not a good team at all. And the fact that Missouri was leading for a good portion of that first half, it was close at halftime. Like that was a game that honestly, Iowa state had no business allowing them to kind of stay in for as long as they did. And then they exploded in the second half. And that wasn't as even necessarily that, that anything changed. It was shots were falling and all of a sudden Missouri couldn't hit anything either. Um, how, how much of a worry is that the fact that this team is that streaky? They don't have another guy that can shoot the three consistently, um, you know, other than, I mean, Brockington shoots it, Trey Jackson shoots it, but they both have only shot about, oh, I'm sorry, I completely missed Caleb Grill because for some reason he's so far down the, the Ken Palm page. I have no idea why he's that far down. Probably because they don't use him enough is what it sounds like to me. Um, but like three, three point shooting is either really, really good or really, really bad. Is there anything that they can do to kind of even that out and give themselves an opportunity to be more consistent? Yeah. I mean, I, funny enough, you mentioned Caleb Grill, Iowa State's 12 and two when he makes one, three, one, three, just the one, two games. Crap. Yep. So that is a really, really interesting stat. And I think it speaks volumes to what you just said, right? Like we do not have that take the top off the defense guy. Like, who, who are you scared of as a Kansas fan? Who are you scared of behind the line right now? Like, there's, there's not a lot. I mean, as an Iowa State fan, I don't trust hardly anyone 
behind the arc. Um, you know, Gabe Kalster, I thought, played well against Kansas, one of his better games um, offensively. He was four of nine from three, had a decent look there at that last shot. But, I mean, I, I don't think you could ask an Iowa State fan to put total confidence in him because of how streaky he's been. You know, Grill, obviously underutilized, but more of a spot-up shooter, hustle guy. You're not really going to rely on him as a major contributor. You go back to Tyrese Hunter, who's three-point shot in freshman. He's really, really needs to work on that and kind of polish his game a little bit. The talent is there. And then Brockington's bread and butter is the mid-range. So he typically is going to take that heel on the line, his heel on the three-point line, too, that drives me absolutely nuts in terms of efficiency. But he makes it work. So, yeah, I mean, the, the struggles from beyond the arc are they're a large reason why this team struggles so much offensively. Yeah, it's been a little weird, um, you know, especially when you look at, well, you know, the, the burning question I think most Kansas fans have to know is, you know, Kansas and Iowa State pulled off a um, a rather interesting trade in the offseason, uh, trading Tristan and Aruna for Jalen Coleman-Lance. Um, who would you say got the be- the better end of that? I love that question, by the way. That's fantastic. I think it depends on a role, right? So we, Iowa State got a starter, so I think you could probably begin there. Coleman Lands is probably going to be asked to do considerably less than Enruna is on Iowa State. I think that the funny thing about JCL is that that's exactly who this Iowa State team needs. And if he would have stuck around for a year, that completely changes things, I think. Um, I think that he fits the, his role in Kansas very well, right? Like you just want him to come in, um, come off screens and fire away and, you know, play decent defense. Enruna on the other hand, is tasked sometimes with a little more playmaking than I think I'd like him to be, though his minutes have, strangely enough, decreased quite a bit in the second half, and that's something fans are wary of. But I think I think Iowa State won that just be in terms of contribution's sake. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things, too, that Enaruna needed a larger role. He wasn't going to get that at Kansas. Um, I, I honestly think that the players got exactly what they needed out of it, going to a situation where they're going to be used, because... I think part of the problem, like when that actually happened, you know, I had a whole bunch of Kansas fans that were like, ha ha, you guys took on Anaruna. He's not going to do much for you. And a whole bunch of Iowa State fans were telling me, ha ha, you guys took Jalen Coleman lands. He's not going to do anywhere near what you expect. And when, you know, when, when Bill Self came out of Big 12 Media Days talking about how Jalen Coleman lands was probably one of the best shooters on the team, I heard Iowa State fans like crazy just be like, no, there's absolutely no way. Like, if that's true, you're in a lot of trouble. And I think it's because looking at what he did last year, I think they were trying to do too much with him. They were trying to have him shoot at too high of a volume. He was, you know, forcing shots up that he really shouldn't have been. Um, they relied on him to do a lot on a team that had a lot of problems, um, which was a role that he wasn't ready for. And coming into Kansas, I think, you know, the fact, like you said, he, he's a spot-up shooter coming off of a screen. Um, you know, he's shooting 41% at Kansas from three, um, you know, and then shooting 57%. From two. Now, granted, he only has 65 shots on the year, but he has not played very many minutes. So it's not like the, you know, the expectation was that he was like, he's played 25% of the, of the available minutes, um, which is not a lot. That's like 10 minutes a game, which isn't bad, but is also, you know, the definition of a role player. So like, I, I do think it's one of those things though, where like you couldn't have asked for anything better. I don't think anybody would have expected Jalen Coleman lands to be one of the main contributors on this Iowa state team because he probably would have had, like, one, his, his defense probably isn't good enough for where Iowa State is and what they try to do defensively right now. Um, but he also, they probably would have tried to rely on him more for shooting if he was able to even get on the floor with, with the defensive issues that he had. And Enaruna is kind of the same way. Like, he, wasn't, he was barely going to see the floor at Kansas, but he gets a lot of play at Iowa State because he's the kind of player that they need 
you know, that, that scrappiness that he has um, and really just what it is he's able to do. So, yeah, I don't know that anyone actually actually won other than the players getting a role that actually suits them a lot better. But it is kind of one of those funny things to, to talk about because Jalen Coleman-Lance did win a game for the Jayhawks this year that they probably wouldn't have won without him. Um, so that in and of itself is going to make a lot of KU fans be really happy with the fact that he's here. And, and I'm sure that Anaruna has done plenty for the Iowa State fans. I absolutely love the fact that they have him as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's funny that you mentioned that last year we were asking him to do too much because that's exactly what I think I, I thought as well. I think if he's your third or fourth best offensive player on your team, you're in great shape, right? Like it, shooters are never going to be in, in low demand, and I think that he's athletic enough where he could get away with it. But, yeah, obviously not a great fit for this year's team. I think that effort-wise, things are just so much more – things are just so much more ramped up this year it, it things matter tj's trying to build a program prone was kind of halfway out the door it's it's a different situation yeah for sure hey there 1012 network listeners this is dustin from the scott nolan podcast the original houston cougar athletics podcast and the latest member of the 1012 network uh my co-host sam do you want to tell the fine folks what the scott nolan podcast is all about I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. All right. So so looking ahead to this game that's that's coming up here, you know, Kansas obviously has a lot of issues on the inside. We saw Kentucky just completely demolish them on the inside. Uh, Iowa State doesn't really have anybody that can take advantage of that, at least from my understanding. Yes, George George Condit, everybody loves him. But, you know, the last matchup, he was probably the best big man that you guys had. Oh, I mean, uh, Kuntz probably had a decent shot for taking that title. But it's not like either of them actually played extremely well. You know, Kuntz got five points. Condit got two points. Like, there wasn't a whole lot that happened on the inside that made you think that they're going to be able to take advantage of the fact that David McCormick is hobbled. Uh, Mitch Lightfoot is kind of off and on. Um you know, like, what do you think is going to be different this time that's going to give Iowa State more of a consistent threat to be able to score on the Jayhawks and actually have an opportunity to pull off the upset? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, I think it's just going to be Brockington's going to get his, I think. And then if they can get any kind of support from someone else, that's going to be the key to this game. Um, inside, I will just tell you right now, if Iowa State can get eight points from any of their rotating door of bigs, whether it's Condit, Jones, Kunzer, and Aruna, that's a win in my book, right? If any one of those guys contributes, it's, it's great. They're not asked to do a lot on the offensive end, set screens, dribble handoffs, that kind of thing, make the, make the easy pass. But this is going to come down to the backcourt, if you ask me. This is going to be Ochai Abaji versus Isaiah Brockington. And I think that whichever coach can dial up a scheme to make things uncomfortable for the other that's going to be very telling and it's going to be telling early. Um, if I'm able to sit here and tell you what our offense is going to do before the play happens, you know, damn well, Bill Self's going to do the same thing. Um, and so I think that, you know, you talk about a lot about NBA guys, how they kind of get theirs no matter what. And a lot of NBA defenders just say, right, like he, you know, Kevin Durant's going to get 30 on me, but if I can force them to be less efficient, then, you know, I can say that I did my job. 
So I'm going to look to Gabe Kalsher to defend Ochayabashi as the key matchup, and we're going to see who comes out on top. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny because I, I don't even think that like going the other way that Abaji is going to be guarding Kalisher. Like, I, I honestly think that Dewan Harris is probably the best perimeter defender. The problem is consistency and size at that point. Um, and so, like, it'll be interesting to kind of see how Kansas is going to try to stop them. Um, you know, looking at what happened last time, neither team played well on the inside. And so I, I actually think that what is more likely to be the deciding factor, because I think that Kalisher and Abaji are both going to get theirs. Um, the question is, is there going to be a second guy um, I'm sorry, uh, Brockington and, and Abaji. I, I said Kalisher because you were just talking about it. But, uh, I mean, Kalisher and Brown are, the I think, the two guys out on the perimeter that are going to be the most important. Which one, which, you Absolutely. know, second fiddle is going to be the guy that's going to step up? Kansas could potentially have Jalen Wilson do that instead of Brown. Um, it's kind of been off and on for both of them. So I think Kansas does have more options on the outside. But honestly, I think whoever gets something out of their big men down low is going to be the one that has the, the advantage here. Um, you know, Kansas, I, my, my big question, especially with the news coming out that David McCormick has been dealing with a foot injury all year, which it's a little weird that we're just now hearing about that, you know, today that we're recording yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a Monday yeah. afternoon, um, because it's obviously been going on all year long. And there's been people that have been kind of worried about what's going on and like, why is all this happening? And Bill Self randomly throw out, throws out in a press conference. Like you guys know he's been dealing with a foot injury all year long and it's not going to get any better for, for the season. It's like, Wait, what? We knew that? No, we didn't. <laughs> like, what is going on here? I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, like the old Zoolander quote. Um, but, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where if, you know, if KJ Adams has a bigger role in this game, is able to actually give Kansas a presence inside, that's going to be a really tough thing, I think, for Iowa State to deal with. Um, of course, the biggest question is, can they get, you know, actually get the passes inside? Because I think it was a combination of guys not finishing once we got inside last time in, in Allen Fieldhouse, but also just both of these defenses really denying entry passes into the middle. So um, which which team do you think is more likely to be able to get something going? And, you know, I, I want you to also account for the fact that, you know, this is going to be in, in Hilton. So it's not like, uh, you know, this is a, a, a place where, you know, there, there's not a home field advantage. There's, there's a reason I think Hilton is probably the best or the, I'm sorry, the, the second best home field advantage in the Big 12 because you guys are absolutely crazy up there. I, I'm still trying to find a way to be able to get up there for a game. Uh, I'm, I'm going to learn from my mistake of going up, uh, you know, to, to Jack Trice Stadium for the Kansas-Iowa State game this last year and make sure it's not a Kansas game that I actually come up to watch because I don't want to deal with that, even though there's a good chance that Kansas will be more competitive in that if, if it's basketball than, than football. But, um, you know, taking all that into account, like what do you th- or which team do you think is more likely to be able to get something going on the inside? God, that's an incredibly difficult question because funny enough, this is the first year in recent memory where I don't remember one team having some kind of advantage over the other. I think that Kansas is probably more talented, right? Like I, I, I KJ Adams, man, I'm, I'm a fan. I think that he's going to be phenomenal and you got to love his hustle and his work ethic and his energy. And by the way, what they call him like the quad, like they just talked about his legs all last game, which I thought was hilarious. What they call him like the quad monster. I don't know. Something. Like I, I think so. Unfortunately I was melting down at the performance. So I wasn't really paying too much attention to the, to the, what the announcers were actually saying. I need to go back and watch it. But if that's the case, I mean, a nickname like that is, is going to be awesome for him. Yeah. But but I think that it's funny because if you if you ask Iowa State fans, I think you'll be like, oh, like low post production, like no no no, like what, what let's talk about Tyrese Hunter and Brockington, um, yeah. So I think the funny thing is is that expectations are so low for our front court it, that it's really just about effort, hustle, and and can you box out and get rebounds. I think one guy to keep an eye on is is Allianz Koons. 
who actually shoots the ball very well from three. And I'm hoping that he can get a little bit of his groove back. Um, he did well against Missouri. He finally took the lid off the basket, went through a little bit of a slump there the last few games. But if he can kind of stretch the floor and even make one or two threes, I think that that's a big deal. Um, George Condit and uh, Robert Jones are going to be relied on to hopefully grab some offensive rebounds and get some putbacks. But so, you know, all that being said, I, this is a terrible answer, but I really do think it's a wash. I don't think that that is where the game's going to be won. I think that protecting the paint uh, from penetration by guards is probably going to be a little bit more of a bigger deal in this game. Um, but, you know, if, if David McCormick was healthy, I think I would probably side with Kansas just because he was on most people's Big 12, you know, player of the year ballot, if not, you know, first team type of thing. Um, but other than that, I, I, I think it's pretty even. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one of those things where, you know, I, I, I think that driving in the lane is going to be probably one of the big ways that teams are going to kind of score in the paint. Um, that being said, I, I do think there is something to be said for the, the inside passing game. Kansas has had that at times. Um, from what I've seen from Iowa State, I don't know that they necessarily do have that. It's more passing from the perimeter into the middle. Um, you know, if if David McCormick was healthy, I would almost say, you know, probably the bigger threat for the Jayhawks is passing inside to McCormick and then him passing it back out because he's gotten a lot better at that this year than he has previously. Um, but again, not knowing the health of McCormick, not knowing how well he's going to play because of that and what he's playing through. Um, yes, it helps to explain a lot of the uneven performances from him, but does absolutely nothing for trying to actually predict how he's going to perform game in and game out, unfortunately. Um, and so, yes, I, I, I definitely agree. Like the only player from both teams on the inside that I think can make a significant impact on this game, barring a David McCormick, I'm all of a sudden magically better type of performance is KJ Adams. If he goes off, if Bill Self actually gives him the run to actually be able to make an impact on the game, then I think that that's a good possibility. But other than that, it, it is going to come down to the guys on the outside. Um, so, I, I mean, we've we've kind of beat around the bush at this point multiple times. So let's let's go ahead and wrap up here with, you know, if you had to pick one matchup, whether it's a certain position or two players in terms of them playing against each other, what do you think is going to be the key matchup for this game that's going to decide who actually wins it? It's it's Kausher on defense versus Abaji on offense. It's 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 too important for both teams. The production level that Abaji produces for Kansas is so overwhelming guys pra- practically the player of the year will likely be the big 12 conference player of the year. You know, Kalsher is arguably our best perimeter defender, you know, Tyrese Hunter it doesn't quite match up with him size wise. So that's probably not going to work out. Um, but I think that it, and actually, even if you turn that around and look on the offensive end, Kalsher versus Abaji, if they do end up guarding each other, um, that's going to be pivotal as well. Cause like I just mentioned, if Kalsher gets anything going, Iowa state typically wins. Yeah. All right. So, um, I think that's it for this game. I did want to ask, though, looking at Ken Palm, Iowa State at this point is uh, projected to be 8-10 and 10 at the conference, which, you know, given what happened last year, I think a lot of Iowa State fans would be happy with that. But given the way that, the, the, that this year started, might be a little bit disappointing, depending on how high you got your hopes up. Where do you actually see them finishing? Like, is, is this a case where you think that they get, you know, the ship right and are able to pull out enough wins to be above 500 in the conference? Um, and assuming that they finish where Ken Palm has them, you don't realistically think there's any chance they actually miss the tournament, do you? No, I don't. And I always said after, after non-conference play, I said, if we can find a way to get to seven wins in conference play, we're in the tournament, and that's a successful year. I don't, I, you can't spin it fair. any other way after two and 22. I, and, and that's completely it's a simplistic fair. answer, but it's the truth. Yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, looking at the rest of the conference schedule, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you look at what 
the the defense is for Iowa State. They, you know, they have the eighth best defense in the country, which is not something I would have expected to be saying this time last year. Like oh, to think God, no. to think that any time in the next like three or four years they'd have the eighth best defense in the country. I think you, I would have called you absolutely insane watching the way that they played last year. So, um, you know, that's a, a huge accomplishment for them. It also kind of speaks to just how good the Big Twelve Conference is, and we've we've beat that horse to death here on this podcast quite a bit. But uh, yeah, night in and night out, these defenses are just absolutely phenomenal. And so, um, unfortunately, that doesn't really differentiate Iowa State from the rest of the conference for the most part. But it does at least allow them to keep up with it, even if they're having you know struggles offensively. So, all right, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today, Sean. Uh, where can everybody find your work online? WideRightNightLight.com, Iowa State SB Nation site. Um, try and put something out every week or so, every other week. Kind of depends on the kind of depends on my workload, but. I appreciate you having me on, Andy. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me. And of course, I have to leave you this parting shot. I'm just hoping that Kansas can come into Iowa State uh, and, you know, get some payback for what the Iowa State women did to the Kansas women uh, just like last week. So um, hopefully Kansas fans are going to be kind of happy about that because let me tell you, this has been the most promising women's season for the Jayhawks in a long, long time. And I was not happy with the way that that game went. So a little bit of payback here. The only thing I'll say is let's leave the refs out of this one. Okay, no, I, 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 you know what? I absolutely hate the fact that the refs have been so atrocious. It, and the worst part is it hasn't really been biased towards one team. It's just been bad across the board, which it's funny that that's the one thing that brings all Big 12 fans together is just how bad the officiating is. Yeah, I, I'm not a ref whiner by any means. There's plenty of other ways Iowa State could have won that game, and you could say the same thing from Kansas. The fact that you can... You miss you miss out on reviewing a goaltending call because you don't call it does not make any sense at all. Yeah. So that ball hits the backboard and they, they don't have any ability to review it. So like obviously they miss it and like miss calls happen. That's that's fine. Yeah. But the fact that they can't go back and look at it, I think, is what's more infuriating than anything. Yeah, there, there's a problem with the way the rules are written in terms of what can actually be reviewed. And I'm a big proponent. I was saying that earlier in the year when Houston uh, you know, had their game where they were doing that. It's like they need to change that rule. They need to make it reviewable. Yes, it would hurt Kansas this year, but they need to make it reviewable because it's kind of ridiculous that they have to make a call and stop play to be able to go look at it, especially at the end of the game like that when it's something that could have a huge impact, you know, on on whether you win or not. So, uh, you yeah. know, but but I will say it is absolutely 100% fair game to be complaining about the officiating and how horrible it is. You just shouldn't be using it as the only reason that you end up losing a game when you do. So, and- um, go, that's go what- ahead. Yeah, that's what drives me nuts is you you hop on Twitter and people are like the rest. This is why I lost this game. I'm like, listen, like that, that's impactful. And I understand that. It's a contributing like both, factor. <laughs> both things can be true that you lost the game and the refs played a factor. But like there are other things that you could have done to win. So like I, Iowa State fans have a bad reputation online every once in a while. Like the, the boo birds, all that stuff. Like I get it. Like I promise you we're not all like that. No, no, I, I know. I know. I know quite a few Iowa State fans. So I, I completely understand that. It is a stereotype that is well-deserved and yet also completely unfair yeah. to some people. So, totally. but no, no, it, it is one of those things kind of like what you're saying, um, you know, poor officiating would not be, think about it in terms of like, you know, the, well, yeah, we're going a little morbid here, but poor officiating would never be the cause of death, but it can be a contributing factor. Right. Exactly. So, all right. Well, now that really is going to do it at this point, but Sean, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow with a recap of this game. Yes. We are staying up late to make sure we actually get a recap to you guys the next day, the joys of a daily podcast, but, uh, 
If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. For those of you guys that haven't already heard somehow, um, I am actually no longer with Rock Chalk Talk over on SB Nation. I do have something new coming, and the podcast is going to be coming with me over there. I'm excited to be able to give you guys more information about that, so stay tuned to the podcast Twitter account to my personal Twitter account as well. Uh, I promise it's going to be a lot of great fun stuff. But if you do, or please give us a rating and review here for the show. It does help to get the show out there to make it so that we can bring you guys a lot more great content. The growth of the show is really the main reason I was able to turn this into a daily podcast to give you guys all this great coverage. But if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me on Twitter at rockchalkpod or by email at rockchalkpodcast@gmail.com. Um, you know, we are part of the 1012 podcast network, great group of podcasts we have over there that cover all the teams in the Big 12 conference. The Iowa State one just launched the Cyclone Family Pod. Jamie Steyer, who does the women's broadcast over there, does a great job. That first episode was absolutely fantastic, and I'm looking forward to what else she's bringing. So you Iowa State fans are listening to this. Make sure you check that one out as well. And of course, along with all the other shows that talk about all the teams in the Big 12 conference. You know, if, if you want to know what's going on with your team and how the conference is going to affect your team, you need to know what's going on with the rest of the conference. So head on over there on Twitter at TEN12Network to get access to all the shows that we have over there. Uh, we are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Get your voice on the show here if you have a question or anything like that. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get you on the show. But uh, make sure you visit our great sponsor. We didn't have an ad form in this one, but head on over to uh, Twitter, and, and you'll get all the details there. Great stuff coming out from them there. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Big 12 fans, and for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.